Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jantz, and my guest today is management consultant Tom Peters. Some of you may have met, as I did, Tom, some 25 years ago when he came out with the book that is now often uh, cited as one of the top of the century, uh, not of the year, (laughs) of the century, In Search of Excellence, which he co-authored. 25 years and probably a dozen books later, he has uh, put out a new book, which uh, we're going to talk about today, called The Little Big Things, 163 Ways to Pursue Excellence. So, Tom, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks. My pleasure. The I always, often anyway, will ask authors to tell me what the big idea is. I feel of the book. I feel a little silly asking you that since big is in the title. <laughs> but, right. but but what is the what is the, the, the thread that holds this book together? Well, you know, you mentioned, kindly mentioned In Search of Excellence when you started, and I was just doing some cleanup in the basement and discovered the first cover story that was ever written about me in Inc. Magazine. And uh, there was a quote in that cover story where I said, In Search of Excellence is about the things your grandmother taught you, but that you forgot somewhere along the way. And, And so... You know, the the reality is I think I forgot some of those things along the way. You know, the message of In Search of Excellence is listen to your customer, take care of people, don't let your values slacken off and so on. And so in a way, this is a this is a back to the future book, even though it was written based on a blog. Well, it's I love the format of these kind of books. I mean, there certainly are books that you like to read, like one big long story essay, and and you you know you kind of go from point A to point Z. But there right. are a number of books that I love uh, like this, which are really a bunch of really great ideas that can be consumed probably in any order <laughs> in which you like. And absolutely, and, plus, yeah. plus as we said in our introduction, we expect fully expect you to read it while sitting on the toilet. <laughs> you know, get, get your. I did. I did that incident. There was a, a book that you may remember, uh, Jane Applegate, and it was like sure. three hundred and one ideas yeah, for small right, businesses right. or something. And my wife had just started a home furnishings business. And uh, and instead of reading my books, she did exactly what she did should have done, which was to read Jane's book. And she mostly read it sitting on the toilet. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I'm sure she, she would loves be you having sharing some kind well. of an employee <laughs> problem, and she'd need to know she was going to have to deal with it that day. And she'd look in the index, and it would be uh, you know how to reprimand an employee in three pages or less. And Often as not, Jane's advice was was damn good. But uh, yeah, the I I think the, the the in the world of business, the grand theory books are mostly, including some of my own, very pretentious because the the average business person, especially the small business person, uh, kind of needs to get on with it. Yeah. And uh, you know, as, as as those of us who tweet are learning, you can actually say a. Uh, a fair amount in 140 characters, and so you know each of these little things in the book is two or three pages. Well, and there are a couple other books. Uh, you remember Harry Beckwith's books, Selling the Invisible, is, is absolutely, one. and uh, uh, Jason Fried, the uh, co-founder of 37 Signals, has another great book out in that format called Rework. Um, and and I think you're absolutely right. I think I think it's one of the reasons blogs, in fact, became so popular. This idea of snack-sized content is uh, no. I think you're right, and yeah. and I think if you work your buns off, which you know, which I've tried to do, you can be pretty coherent 
in 140 characters or in a 400 word blog post or whatever you know whatever it is that it is said by the 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 uh, the infamous they that uh, writing a short story is a hell of a lot harder than writing a novel and i think there's some truth to that the you know the great short story can yeah. develop a character as fully in seven pages as it takes some novelists 350 to do yeah, there's a great uh, Mark Twain quote that I always like to use. Uh, I would have written a shorter letter if I'd have had more time. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I, I, I do. I have heard that one, and I, and you know, absolutely buy it a hundred percent. Um, there as is a wor- as a wordy person, yeah. I, I'm, I'm afraid to say I buy it. <laughs> I know what you mean. Um, there is rumor that we are um, entering into an economic uh, recovery or, or rebound. I wonder if you if, if you'd like to give just sort of your take on where we are uh, economic wise. Well, one one of one of my friends who was was Bill Clinton's first labor secretary is Bob Reich and. I keep running across Bob's stuff, and he's never met a situation. He's about my age, 65. I'm 67. He's he's never met a situation in which he couldn't find the cloud of gloom and doom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's gone from you know single dip to double dip to triple dip recessions. I, I now I, I'm not Bob Reich. I I certainly don't think that the time for being careful is past. Uh, there are opportunities and there are renewed opportunities. And if you're looking at the hot industries like healthcare, uh, or perhaps environmentally associated industries, certainly there's IPO money available and so on. But for those of us who are mortal, uh, yeah, I mean, we're seeing it as it, as it has been the, uh, the employment-free recovery to this point, and people are really skittish uh, about putting full, full-time people back on the payroll. So I, I'm optimistic. I believe there is growth ahead. I believe there are lots of reasons to believe that there may be bumps ahead. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I think one should proceed with a positive point of view, but with care. Uh, I am, you know, not, I, I, I lived in Silicon Valley in the, uh, go-go nineties. And in fact, a couple of, uh, couple of authors, uh, of note, you know, blamed the thing on me and about five other people. There was some, some guy wrote a book and, and he said that, said that George Gilder and I were the co-chairman of the party of yes. And, you know, we believed that tomorrow was going to be a brighter day right down to the point where the whole thing crashed. So, Optimism, yes. Mindless optimism, no. Uh, you know, we we learned we learned a lot since 2007 about what it means to be careless, and an awful lot of us were careless. Yeah. Um, I, 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 given that sort of cautious picture that you just painted, uh, I wonder if we could dip into a couple of the nuggets from the book, and uh, I'll just kind of throw them out there. Let you talk maybe a little bit about what you were thinking about with that particular nugget in the, in, in view of sort of this kind of economy. Is that, is that yeah. fair? fair yeah. I, I did just want to say, well, I'm not, I'm not a pessimist. I'm just not a <laughs> yeah. wild eyed optimist. Yeah. Cause you know, an awful lot of people think I'm a wild eyed optimist and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not true. I, I'm, I'm in no way pessimistic. I think it is a recovery. Uh, but I think that wild eyed optimism might, 
get you in more trouble than it will do you good. Well, I would certainly agree with that, but I think that you've certainly written a body of work about you know attitude and performance and leadership right. that that has a very positive nature to it. Oh, too. absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, I was I was just uh, you know was 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 tweeting over the weekend, and I said you may w- you may wake up with a sour attitude, and the sour attitude may be entirely justified, the world being the world. But right. if you bring a sour attitude to work whether you're the boss of a one-person company called you or, uh, you know, running a seven-person department in a big company or middle-sized company, if you bring a losing attitude to work, you are a loser. Yeah. Uh, you know, buck yourself up, kick yourself in the behind if you're physically able. And, uh, you know, come in, come in on Monday morning in particular, not with a, with a, you know, contentless grin on your face, but with a positive attitude and, you know the the that ridiculous old positive mental attitude thing is there's a hell of a lot of truth in it. Now, I I certainly prescribe to that myself. So uh, under the crisis chapter, yeah, <laughs> good things, especially in bad times, come in three. Yes, and so, what three did I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, I well, do not. I, I have. I promise you that I had no no hidden co-author, but if you expect me to remember my list of three in a 530-page book, you are overestimating the ability of 67-year-olds. <laughs> well, uh, actually, don't I, in that particular chapter, um, and I'm I'm actually consuming your book on on my iPad, so I don't have it sitting here uh, in, okay. in paper form either. But well, then we, let's make it up. Well, you go, you're the interviewer. Make yeah, it up, can, my friend. We can. Okay. So what? Actually, what you said in that was not necessarily. <laughs> three things it was the idea i think it's more the concept of uh of, of threes and and not any you know particular three but uh but that uh that that there was a you know there's not one thing that happens that that you know there's almost like this be, be on guard for you know several others to come as well but uh um you want to skip that one yeah, let's skip that. <laughs> okay, we we got to the essence of that, right? Yeah, we got to the essence of it. <laughs> All right, well, so here's one that I know you talk about a lot, and this won't, uh, okay. this, this won't be any uh, 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 trouble for you. That was uh, that was slightly – listen, your audience is mainly small business people. That was slightly too abstract for me. <laughs> you're, you're, you're right. So, uh, And it's two minutes of noon, so you even tried to be abstract. <laughs> Before noon on Monday, for God's yeah. sake. That, 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 that's all right. We'll uh, we'll keep moving. We, okay. China. Uh, China. Get China on your mind. Get India on your mind. And and um, I think people buy into that. I mean, I think what you're really saying in that one is you can't ignore these. Maybe you don't have something to export or import, but you know you you need to know what's going on in these. And and I wondered if you have some ways because I read that thinking, okay, that's great. You're right. I know I need to be doing that, but how? I mean. What's, what's the best well, way I think, to learn? I mean, the, 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 the simplest how is, uh, you know, e- e- even in this a- age of the wonderful web, I, I spend automatically, maybe it's because I sit on the toilet too much or something, <laughs> I spend automatically 12 or $13 a day on newspapers. And I buy the Wall Street Journal and I buy the Financial Times and I buy Investor's Business Daily. And the principal reason I do it is I think I have an obligation to skim stuff that is beyond my practical need. And so I think what I'm really saying, whether you, you know, whether you grab it off slate or whether you grab it off, uh, you know, out of a, out of a newspaper is that even though you say 
China isn't my direct issue, India isn't my direct issue, and so on, uh, you, you got to read the stuff anyway. You, you can't you can't be ignorant. I mean, you know, for example, uh, there has been labor unrest in China recently, and the labor unrest comes under the heading of duh, meaning that when uh, business is good as it has been for China, the average worker, even in a communist country, is not going to stand by for minimum wage and crappy working conditions. And to perhaps some people's surprise, my own, I must admit, the government has said, well, long haul, we want to be higher value added. And uh, we're going to yield to these labor demands to a significant degree. And so the fact that China is no longer going to be the law, you know, for people who are involved in higher value added businesses, uh, which is true of a high share of, of uh, small businesses as well as big ones, you're just you're not you're not going to you're not going to get away with saying, OK, we'll leave China the low cost stuff. We'll do. We'll do the high-value-added stuff. Well, they're building universities faster than you can count, and so on. And so, uh, you know, it's it's not an automatic. So, you know, read stuff, stay in touch a little bit. You don't have to get a PhD in Chinese studies, but you know, if I'm running a two-person consulting business, I want to make sure that I'm just keeping in touch a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think that's uh, I think it's good advice, no matter what the subject. Frankly, to to continue well, expanding your knowledge, I, right? Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, it's uh, I ha- I happen to believe that one of the two or three largest, most important traits that a that a business person brings to bear, whether they're a restaurant owner, whether they're a two person consultancy partner, or what have you, is curiosity, uh, because I think you mostly learn stuff from you know places that aren't obvious as opposed to reading the particular journal of, you know, Northeastern CPAs or whatever else it happens to be. That's interesting. You mentioned that because I, I've often told small businesses, the owners, that, that when they go out looking for employees, if there was a magic way to measure somebody's curiosity, that's probably one of the traits you really should be looking Absolutely. for. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I'll give you a perfect example of that. A good friend of mine just sold his uh, NGO and he was doing a lot of work overseas and a lot of the work in development work needed engineers. Mm-hmm. But he said he would never hire an engineer unless that engineer had at least one very substantial interest that was not about engineering. Huh. Because the real world of development is a lot more than the structural strength of steel. And unless it was a person who had some you know, inherent demonstrated curiosity, uh, he didn't want them. Yeah, that makes sense. That's a good good way to to tangibly measure it too. Yeah, I thought I, I was I was impressed as hell yeah. like that, about that, frankly. So uh, a lot of people, when times get tough, uh, obsess about the bottom line, and um, you spend a significant amount of time talking about the top line and how that may be more important. So you want to kind of give your thoughts on that. This halftime break is brought to you by Constant Contact. Constant Contact helps small businesses and nonprofits build great customer relationships with email marketing, event marketing, and online surveys. Visit them today at constantcontact.com and sign up for your free 60-day trial. Yeah, I mean, first of all, again, in the small business context in particular, uh, 
focusing on the bottom line to the extent that in, in nine out of 9.01 of us in very good times get sloppy. Yeah. And so in no way, shape, or form am I suggesting, uh, you know, e- even though I'm a revenue-first fanatic, I'm A, I'm glad I have a fabulous business partner who's a conservative guy <laughs> from New Hampshire, uh, and my prior business partner, you know, was 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 born in Scotland, uh, and so if you're not keeping a handle on costs, and if you're not uh, get keep getting or keeping the fat out of the system, you're an idiot. Uh, on the other hand, uh, my bias, you know, to to flip my switch a hundred percent on that. Uh, if you really have great sales coming in and backlog coming in, you can be a little bit sloppier than you would otherwise be. And so, you know, I, I, I believe at some level that whether you're president of the United States or whether you're running a one-person consultancy, life begins and ends with sales and satisfying the customer and, and so on. And so, you know, a, a, a focus on getting the sale and a focus in particular on satisfying today's customer so they become a bigger customer tomorrow, uh, to me, is always the number one priority. And particularly in crappy times, you know, there's the, there's the uh, you know, story of the container store, which I loved. And when the recession really hit and retail got whacked, they doubled their frontline training budget. And their logic was that even if things are crappy uh, to the tune of 30% off, we're still getting 70% of our customers in. And by God, first and foremost, we want a bigger share of their business. And that's true if you're running a restaurant and your business is off 30%, you still got that 70%. And if you can get that customer to come in three times a month instead of two times a month, you've made a huge difference in your profitability overall. Yeah, and that's sort of counterintuitive, right? Because that's the first place people cut. No, absolutely. <laughs> they cut they cut train well the, you know, there was the the other classic case was Best Buy versus Circuit City. When the yogurt hit the fan, uh Circuit City for reasons that God alone knows cut all their top salespeople, <laughs> and uh, Best Buy, on the other hand, put more and more effort into those geek squads, which, you know, really are their service differentiator, and uh, one of them's dead and one of them's living quite well. You, you, uh, we've got time for about two more kind of topics along these, and there's one that I wanted to find. I jotted it down because it, it was really one of those moments that sort of stopped me. Um, and, again, very counterintuitive. I'm not going to find – hopefully I can ramble about it for a minute and you'll you'll turn it up. But you, you have one uh, of the little nuggets uh, that, that talks about, you know, when times get bad, a lot of people look to, hey, I can, I can steal my competitor's market share, you know, or this is a time for me to, you know, to really go after them while they're weak. Um, and, and you – one of the nuggets talks about the idea of, of resisting that urge and maybe taking even a different approach. Yeah, I, I believe that people have long memories yeah. in general. And again, let's focus on a small business, which is your focus as opposed to a big right. business. Most small businesses work within a community. And most of those communities you know, are communities of 10,000 people or 20,000 people or 30,000 people or 40,000 people, and they are very small worlds. And so behaving badly 
in bad times is remembered for 25 years when the times turn up. And so I, I believe that uh, bad times are the times where you really, really emphasize the, the thoughtfulness and the care and the helpfulness. And, you know, as I said in this one, I do remember chapter and verse. I said, you know, if, if you're in trouble, that doesn't mean I have to pay your bills. But it damn well doesn't mean that when you get in trouble, the first thing I'm, you know, suppose you were running a marketing services agency with 12 people on the payroll. The first thing I'm, the first thing I, the, what I'm not going to do as a first thing is to, is to try to steal Mary Jones, who works for you, who is just absolutely fabulous, yeah. you know, because word, word gets around, uh, you know, I, in my uh, in my speeches lately, and it actually started on Twitter. Uh, I developed. I'm an engineer. I developed this phrase that, or this equation that I called K equals R equals P, and it stands for kindness equals repeat business equals profit, mm -hmm. and kindness and decency and thoughtfulness again times ten in a small business which lives in a community. Uh, is worth its weight in something a lot heavier than gold. And, you know, if we had an hour to talk about this topic, I would get more and more emotional about it. Yeah, and I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's kind of a case of, of you know, being remembered for the things we didn't do, uh, maybe more important than some of the things we did do. Uh, in, no, in no, that's times, right. You know? That's right. And, I, and, and the thing that, you know, again, I will, I will put boxing gloves on, is to be thoughtful and decent and kind is not to be soft-headed. That is total, pure, unmitigated crap. I can be tough as nails. Uh, you know, I mean, it was, there was an old Vince Lombardi quote where he said, I do not need to like my players, but I must love them. Meaning that Lombardi was as tough a son of a gun as, as has you know, appeared on the sidelines of a football uh, uh, during a football game, but he also was incredibly thoughtful about his players and about his opponents. And, and it's not inconsistent. And anybody who thinks it is, uh, you know, I spit on them. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, we were soft pedaling that one a little bit. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. now, you know, a lot of times large organizations, I think, you know, as long as shareholders are happy, as long as, you know, profits are there, whether or not they're, you know, whether they're going to go up or down, you know, d depends on uh, maybe some of the decisions they make. Uh, and they can maybe ignore some of what you just said. But I, I really think small businesses um, need to collaborate. The ability to collaborate, you know, with even competitors has become necessary, easy, <laughs> a way to actually grow a larger business. And I think that uh, that for that reason as well, um, it, it, you certainly can't burn those bridges. Yeah, that's right. So somebody wrote a book, and I can't remember the name. It was one of those those uh, cobbled together names, but it was called something like cooperation. Uh, whatever it was, it, it it melded the word competition and cooperation. Yeah, I think it was cooperation, is what it. Yeah, cooperation. Yeah. Yep. No, absolutely. Yeah. And and I thought it was I thought it was right on the money. The uh, and, and as you say, it's happening happening. Uh, well, the 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 other the other comment that I would make is, you know, relative to some of the stuff that's been uh, bedrock for me, uh, we've seen what happens lately when you ignore it in the world of BP. 
I, I, uh, I, I fight tooth and nails with my brother-in-law, who's a, a senior guy in the downstream activities at Exxon. But boy, do those guys execute well. And I, you know, I'm not an Exxon lover by a million miles. Uh, on the other side of the coin, I really don't think they would have made the same mistakes BP has made. And I think it's because they have an execution complex and a safety complex and, uh, you know, Val, Exxon Valdez notwithstanding, I think that's really their signature. And I think despite the fact that they're such an enormous company, uh, you know, the, the one person business can learn from it. It's all about character in the end. And besides, even if you go out of business, someday you're going to die. And if you're 67 years old, you realize you have to look in the mirror, and the mirror is what counts. Yeah, and if it tells you you were a jerk, uh, and if you're 67, that's not particularly good news. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, let's end up on brand you. Uh, okay. Where does that stand today? Is that more important, uh, more relevant, uh, less important? It's it's more important than ever. I mean, you know, whether you're working for a big company or a small company, I mean, nobody's ever had employment security for a small company, which is why some of this stuff about lifetime employment is, mm-hmm. is dead is absolutely hilarious because 90% of us work for small <laughs> companies and lifetime employment has been dead more or less forever. Uh, but I do think uh, increasingly that, we count can't count on any job lasting a long time and therefore we are dependent on two things and that is increasing our basic skills and increasing the quality as well as the quantity of our network And the one thing that just drives me crazy, though I know I opened myself up for it, is Brandview is not self-serving. Brandview is not about ego. Brandview is not about having a good logo, even though I think a good logo is incredibly helpful for a tiny company. Uh, It is about distinguishing yourself, as I just said, on the quality of your work and the quality of your network. So there's nothing... Nothing lightweight about the brand you idea. It simply says you've got to stand for something distinct, uh, and that is what you do and who you do it with. And you know, then I'm more than happy to say, uh, you know, go out and get the cool logo and the cool letterhead, and have a you know website that really is is uh, very very useful and cool and so on. But Good work, good network. Yeah, well, that's you know that's the ultimate inside job, right? And all the other stuff is just the wardrobe. Absolutely, yeah, I, think that, Absolutely. I think that's why it's so but, hard you know, work. People have kind of gone out of their way to to, to mistranslate yeah. the the brand you thing, and it doesn't make me mad if they're mistranslating it. I've got a problem, yeah. but but still, it's uh, it's 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 about you know it's it's about the basics and understanding, you know, in particular for bigger company people and. And bigger company people can mean ten million dollar business. It doesn't have to mean Exxon Mobil. Uh, for you know, for bigger company people, you've 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 got to understand you ain't going to be there forever. Yeah, absolutely, um, Tom. I certainly appreciate you joining me. This has been a treat to talk about the little big things. Uh, also at TomPeters.com, you you did a great thing, I think, in that you recorded these 
I, I, I suppose, for the audiobook, but but people can go listen to many of the tidbits uh, for free. Yeah, I think I think we're uh, we're we're coming we're 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 going to put the entire audiobook on. And the other thing we did is uh, we just for the living hell of it uh, did about a hundred little video snippets, wow. and they are pretty directly related to the book because we were doing them as the book was being written. And so you can, uh, you know, we've got a, we've got a YouTube address and you can, you can find a whole bunch of those things as well, which have gotten some pretty good feedback. Well, you have always produced lots of additional content really to go with your books or really just on your Listen, site. In general. This goes back to 1982. Yeah. Uh, the first printing of in search of excellence was 5,000, Bob Waterman and I were working for McKinsey at the time, and we gave away ten thousand of our presentation books. Mm-hmm. And so the you know the, the 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 stuff that Seth and other people talk about about giving it away free, uh, I have believed in for thirty years. The, the more you give away, the more that comes back to you. Amen. We'll end on that note. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. Well, probably Amen yeah. too, because I think that probably fits in the church view. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, sure. That that's uh, you know you talk so much about stuff here. I can't I can't shut up, right? But uh, now that I've got you here, but uh, you talk so so much of what you talk about, you know, decency and and developing, you know, your your yourself and 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 being a good person. I mean, those are all great business rules, but you know, they'll get you a long way in life too, won't they? Well, yeah. No, the, I remember the the most fun Bob Waterman and I had when we were doing the publicity for In Search of Excellence is we ended up doing an interview. I think it was about four levels below ground near near the Dallas Fort Worth airport with at the headquarters of Baptist World Radio. And the guy who did the interview started out. He said, "You know, this is supposed to be about a, a book about business, but it's really a book about." people in life. And, and, you know, that was true because we thought that's what was missing in the world of business. So it goes back to that earlier comment that being decent and being thoughtful is, uh, is not being some kind of soft headed wuss. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, and you got to look in the mirror when you get to be an old guy, not that anybody who's, uh, you know, tuned in who's under the age of 40 will get that, but what the hell. Some, sometimes in life it actually is harder to do the decent thing. Uh, it isn't. It, it is. Yeah. It is. That's why. That's why uh, it's I'm, not I'm soft. An, I'm an engineer. <laughs> I'm an engineer, and I. I was just blogging today. It hadn't been posted yet. It will be pretty soon. And and saying that not only am I angry at BP and Halliburton and so on, but as a professional engineer by training, I'm angry at all of the individual engineers on the BP payroll who didn't blow the whistle because there is a a sacred trust associated with being an engineer. And the answer is yes, it might have cost you your job. And I am certainly sympathetic and and empathetic and not lighthearted about that. But a professional has a professional responsibility, period. Tom, thanks so much. I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully we can do this again sometime when you're a very busy schedule. uh, Is it ever going to, is it ever going to lighten up? Thank you, John. You, you, (laughs) You guys are doing a great job, and so that's why it's a pleasure for me to be here and and be supportive of you. Thank you very much. Take care. Okay, you take care. Have a good day. Have a good week. Bye.